Hello again and welcome to the Nittany Rich Show and the 14th and holiday episode of the 2019 season. I'm Rich Scarcella of the Reading Eagle, your host. You can find this podcast at readingeagle.com and wherever podcasts are available. We welcome your feedback. Joining us on this week's episode are Nate Bauer of Blue White Illustrated and Joe Giuliano of the Philadelphia Inquirer. We're going to take a look at Penn State's 28-17 loss at Ohio State, the Nittany Lions' rankings, bowl possibilities, and preview that big senior day clash against Rutgers. Nate will be joining us first. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Rich. You, you, uh, you said you welcomed feedback, so I got some for you. Go ahead. You, you got to book better, better guests. Nate Bauer and Joe Giuliano. Come on. Well, that's do better. You can't do better than that. And and you can't and you can't do better than that when it comes to playing partners. Fair. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Again. <laughs> okay. Um, so first is is State College a buzz with anticipation for Saturday? <laughs> you know, uh, it it could not be further from a buzz. In fact, uh, from my from my little perch on my couch back here in fraternity land, uh, it, is, it is a a deserted wasteland. <laughs> no one is here. Uh, all the all the students are gone. It's fall break. Um, you know, uh, traffic, which is never bad to begin with, is even less. Uh, it is it is a ghost town. So no, uh, there there is there is no buzz. Uh, Whether whether Rutgers has anything to do with that or not, I'm not sure. But uh, certain, certainly, uh, tis the season of students being away, and therefore uh, State College being a dead, dead, dead place. Okay. Uh, can you just please tell the listeners where they can find your fine work? Yeah, at uh, it's at Blue White Illustrated on the Rivals.com network. Um, and uh, on Twitter, when I pop in occasionally, uh, under at Nate Bauer BWI. Okay. What did you learn, if anything, about Penn State last Saturday in Columbus? Um, a couple of things. I, I think that, you know, it, it was – it was to be expected, right? Ohio State is the offensive juggernaut. Penn State's defense had been picked on for the previous two weekends. So, of course, Penn State's D, I thought, played maybe its best game of the season, regardless of what happened in the second half. And I know that there were people who uh, probably disagree with this assessment, but that they played excellent defense in the first half and got no help on the offensive side of the ball or on special teams. Um, you know, I, I thought that certainly it was a disappointing performance for uh, Sean Clifford in the first half. Uh, I, you know, K.J. Hamler running, you know, wh- whether everything was uh, intact or not, you know, health-wise, yeah, he, you know, he just wasn't there. Um, Friar Moose, you, you know, they just they – didn't, they didn't take advantage or make plays um, when the opportunities came, which are already going to be limited. Like, you understand that going into an Ohio State game, that you're just going to have a couple of spots, and you got to make the most of it. And so 
offensively. Penn State didn't do that at all. They backed themselves into some holes, and 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 even then, once they were backed into holes, um, Blake Gillikin couldn't punt them out of it, which is something that um, you know you would you would kind of seen from him throughout the season is that he can change a game the way that he swings field position. So the fact that those two elements weren't there, but Penn State's defense still buckled down, still um, you know again. When the opportunities are there, make a play. Uh, Lamont Wade did that. Um, you know, Cam Brown did that. You, you, you saw some big plays and some big moments to keep that to a 14 to nothing game in the first place. Um, you know, so I, I thought I thought they they acquitted themselves nicely. Um, and yeah, I mean, the second half was the second half was more along the lines of of I think what Penn State fans had hoped to see in the first place, which was a competitive game. You know, make plays, get into it, and you know, ultimately, Penn State uh, fell fell short. But I certainly don't think that I certainly don't think that it was the 19 point dog, you know, team that everybody was expecting. You know, I just, I just, I didn't, I didn't see that leading into that game, um, and you know, it's it uh, it certainly played out that way. James Franklin earlier this week said that um, Penn State is closing the gap, which he, which he has said, and we we obviously it, we noticed uh, how close, how how wide or how narrow is that gap, and what does Penn State have to do uh, to eliminate it? So, so I'm, I'm I've been kind of working on a on a thesis slash column for this. Um, because I think, I think that's it. I think I think you know when he talks about the gap, what is he talking about? And to me, it's it really comes down to something very similar or simple. Uh, Chase Young, Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Those, those those were the difference in that game. Uh, Justin Fields and Ohio State. J.K. Dobbins. He's a great back, no doubt about it. Ohio State had run through and over everybody this season. Penn State's rushing defense was not that bad uh, throughout the game, but particularly in the first half. And so what was the difference? The difference between Penn State and Ohio State in that game is Sean Clifford, who was hurt, and is a four-star and I I think has exceeded every expectation that there has been for him this season. Like, this is in no way a knock on Sean Clifford. Mm -hmm. But Justin Fields is just a different level. That's the difference. The difference is a five-star quarterback who is potentially the best quarterback, uh, you know, uh, certainly in the Big Ten, you know, um, and and probably has a right moving forward in his career to, to you know, to say that he'll be a, a, among the best in the country. That makes a difference. Penn State, Penn State doesn't have that. Uh, Penn State doesn't have receivers mm-hmm. who made the catches right. that Ohio State made, you know. Um, I don't know if you're going to call them the most spectacular catches that you've seen this season, but third and long, which is exactly what Penn State's defense wants to get you in, Ohio State got bailed out a decent number of times by either a spectacular catch, a great catch, or by Justin Fields' legs. Or a great throw. Exactly. I mean, yeah. it, was just, it was just that was the difference, whereas – Penn State on third and four or third and five 
you know, throws the fryer moose in the flat and, and he can't make the catch, you know, yeah. contested ball and he can't, he can't make that catch. Um, you know, Jahan Dotson had a couple of opportunities. He can't, he can't come down with those catches. Fryer moves down the sideline, uh, deep downfield, um, you know, contested balls, didn't make the catch. It's just, that's, that's the difference. And yeah. I think that you saw when Penn State had its, its most successful seasons in the, in the past four years, in 16 and 17, obviously Barkley was a huge part of that equation, but so was Chris Godwin, right? So was Deshaun Hamilton. Like they, uh, Mike Gesicki, they made those plays in those moments that I think for you and, and me and, and probably a lot of people that are listening to this, they're the iconic plays, right? Yeah. They're the iconic plays. In- and hey, by the way, Saeed Blacknall in the championship game. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah. So and so Penn State just offensively, Penn State just does not have that right now, um, or, or or they haven't asserted themselves yet. You know, maybe they're not there in their careers yet. Maybe that's still to come for them. But certainly as it stands right now, they don't have that. And then I think the same thing kind of applies to the other side of the ball. You know, because we I think that a lot of us were expecting Etor Grosbatos to be that game mm-hmm. picker, to be the guy. Yeah. Um, you know, who really who impacted the defense so much that he could hide other people's mistakes. Um, you know, I, I think that this is a very good defense. I never thought that it was going to be the best defense that Penn State's had in right. the past 30 years. Right, I just, right. I wasn't, I wasn't throwing those kind of things out because I just, I didn't think, I didn't think they had, you know, everything quite there. John Reed uh, is a great piece. Like, he's a guy who you, you want a million of them in your locker room. But you also wish that John Reed was four inches taller, you know, <laughs> to recastro fields. Like, uh, a bunch of these guys are just not at that first, second NFL round level. And so, you know, I, I think that what you find is a Penn State program right now that undeniably is more successful, uh, more consistent than anybody could have possibly imagined six years ago right maybe even four years ago right for, for it to have reached this level and been this consistent they're right there they're yeah. there with michigan they're certainly there with wisconsin uh when you talk about the you know other teams in the league mm-hmm. it's just on the national scale uh ohio state clemson alabama uh maybe oklahoma it's just different yeah it's different and and they're and they're just they're just not quite there. And I think that the only way realistically that they're going to get there is for recruiting. Yeah, you know, you yeah. just you got to you got to bring in you got to bring in those five star guys. And uh, maybe to your next point, I hope you ask me. Uh, they got to stick around. Well, that was yeah. that well, you you were talking about the receivers, but you, you're not allowing me to even get a breath in here. Uh, <laughs> the news broke. Tuesday that Justin Shorter is in the NCAA transfer portal. And, you know, those kinds of things do happen, but this is a five-star guy who was a top 10 overall recruit two years ago. So what do you think happened or is happening? Well, you know, uh, the thing that jumped out the most to me is the demotion, uh, to Dan Chisena a couple of weeks ago, you know, um, 
out at Minnesota, you know, things did not go Justin's way. Uh, it, it just it just hasn't been the season that he anticipated, and this is coming after a true freshman season that didn't go the way he anticipated, right? I mean, he, he thought he was going to come in and just dominate. Uh, and then when he didn't dominate and only played four games last year, had some injuries, he came into this offseason. I mean, I got a quote from him. He, he, he was planning on being the Big Ten Rookie of the Year. Like, he, he thought uh, those, all of those plans were laid out in front of him for himself. That he that he wanted for himself, and it, it, you know, I mean, I I don't think that it's unfair to say, you know, it just didn't pan out that way, right? Like, I mean, no. and, and <laughs> this is I, I think that this is a big part of this because some people are going to say that there weren't opportunities. There were, um, you know, Justin had balls directed toward him, uh, maybe not as many as he would have liked. Um, but there were opportunities throughout this season for him to be involved in the passing game, and and not just involved in the passing game, but for him to to again make plays. Like it's just it it seems um, it seems so simple, but you got to break a tackle. You got you, you got to not just make the catch. You got to break a tackle. You got to make a move. You got to you got to do something uh, to to differentiate yourself. And it, it just, because, I mean, honestly, when we're talking about K.J. Hamler, that's what we're talking about. Uh, and, and Shorter just never did that this season. Yeah. And so I think that as the year went along, uh, the frustration built and built. I, I mean, look, like, I, I have taken some shots on, on social media myself about the, the not, not him, not Shorter himself, but the reaction of fans and media to his absence or to him not making as big of an impact, it's like, guys, what, you know, Penn State, Penn State was winning, right? Penn State was doing good things offensively, uh, and that shorter wasn't a piece of it, to me, spoke volumes about where he was in the program. Like, he just, he just hadn't made his impact. He hadn't made his mark. Because here's the thing. Nobody is hiding a five-star talent. Right, right. Hey, want to give him the ball? Like, if 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 he was performing up to that level, they they would have gone to, to every effort to make sure he got the ball. And I think that you saw that in Minnesota, uh, and you know the results accompanied it. Yeah. Hey, let, we're talking with Nate Bauer, Blue White Illustrator. Let's move on because because uh, I don't want to run uh, too long here, but uh, Saturday. Uh, this coming Saturday. Uh, how would you divide the playing time between Sean Clifford and Will Levis, considering Clifford was replaced last week with an injury that he's been dealing with, uh, and that Levis played well? What would you do, and what do I you would, expect? I would I would play Levis. Period. Uh, it, it's just you know look, uh, Clifford is not within. Not that I know of, uh, within range of obvious records, you know, for first time start. Like, there's no, uh, I, there, there is no cherry on top of this Sunday. Uh, that is the Rutgers game, right? Like, he's, he's got bigger and better things ahead of him, uh, including being well for the bowl game, which now, after last night, um, 
you know, is, is looking really, really favorable for Penn State. Uh, you know, and the flip side of the argument is, one, this is a new world of transfers, right? Will Levis lost the battle in the preseason. Uh, he did not have an opportunity to transfer based on the timing. Uh, you, you want to make him feel like he's contributing. You want to you want to keep him bought in. You want to keep him uh, to be part of this. So, like, why why do you, if, if if your rationale for keeping Noah Kane out at ninety percent is that there's three other guys who are just as good at a hundred percent? To me, after especially after last week, you know, it, it would behoove Penn State to take a similar approach uh, between Cl- Clifford and, and Levis this weekend. Okay, I. I don't disagree with you, but what I what I think is going to happen, I think Clifford will start play a few series, and that Levis will play the majority of the game. That's just my take. Hey, w- one more question for you. Uh, you mentioned the college football playoff rankings, which this week have Penn State at number ten. Why is that important? Because the Nittany Lions remain ahead of Florida. Uh, that opens the door for not only the Rose Bowl, but also the Orange Bowl and the Cotton Bowl, with the Outback Bowl appearing to be a fallback. Uh, I want to say this. Give Nate credit. Nate, you picked them to go 10-2, and two, did you not? I did not. I picked 9-3. Oh, okay. I thought you did. Okay. I did, too. So I can't give you that much credit. Okay. <laughs> so where? not where do you want to go. Where do you think they will end up? Uh, I I hate this game, and I'll tell you why. Well, for the, put it this way. Objectively speaking, uh, I think they belong in the Rose Bowl. Uh, I think that they have demonstrated themselves to be the second-best team in the Big Ten this year, mm-hmm. and the first-best team in the Big Ten is going to go to the college football playoff. Right. That said, that said, the statement that I just made could be complete baloney by the end of this weekend, uh, and certainly by the end of next weekend. And for that, I say, I, I feel like we've ordained Ohio State getting a win this weekend, which... I, I, don't, I don't think that's a slam dunk. Yeah, Michigan could throw this completely out. Right, right. So uh, if, if Michigan wins, all bets are off. Oh, so, everything changes. Everything changes, yes. Everything changes. So, so, if Michigan, so that's the first one. And then the second one is, obviously, Wisconsin-Minnesota is a big game. Uh, and then the winner of that uh, against Ohio State, uh, which is a short thing, in the Big Ten Championship game, will we'll play a ton of things out. So, I mean, I just think there's, a, there's a, a, some humor to me in, in how we kind of do this every year. And I'm as guilty as anybody else. We, you know, we're, we're prognosticating and so on and so forth. Nobody had Oregon losing at Arizona State last weekend. That is correct. And so that game totally changed things, right? It totally it totally changed things. Uh, you, you know, you've got Auburn, Alabama this weekend. That's going to change some things. Um, you know, you just there are enough games that are still left in the regular season, let alone the conference championship games, um, that still need to work themselves out for us to really know. But. Certainly, I think at ten and two, if, assuming a win for Penn State this weekend, at ten and two, uh, this team has exceeded every expectation. Um, it, it has demonstrated itself to be a, a 
certainly, in my mind, among the top ten teams in the country, two losses being to the number two team and the number eight team, both on the road, uh, both by, you know, a combined couple of touchdowns. You know, to, to me, that that is that demonstrates itself uh, as being enough to, to earn a spot in the New Year's Six Bowl. So, uh, you know, for, to, to that end, I don't think it matters which one they end up in. Uh, I think it's just for the program moving forward, that's the kind of thing that you can hang your hat on. Right. You can in three of the past four years, New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, that, that, is, that is just a, a, a remarkable level of consistency and success for this program. I agree. Nate, thank you so much. Please remind the folks where they could find your work. Blue White Illustrated on the Rivals.com network. It's bwi.rivals.com. And my Twitter is at Nate Bauer BWI, which will have lots of photos of crockpot meals. So, <laughs> hey, all of you. thank you. Happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you Saturday. Thanks a lot, Rich. Take care. We're now joined by Joe Giuliano of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Joe, welcome back to the show. Great to be back, Rich. Thanks for having me. Hey, where can the listeners find your work? Uh, I'm at uh, slash sports Of course, it's a paywall, but we invite you to <laughs> read the uh, free stuff, and uh, hopefully you'll subscribe. And on Twitter, it's at Joe Jules Inc. J O E J U L E S I N Q. Joe. What did you learn about Penn State last Saturday uh, in in its twenty eight seventeen loss at Ohio State? Well, it was nice, you know, that they didn't give up. Obviously, with the first uh, three drives, actually, Ohio State having no problem moving the ball on any of the first three. Of course, the fumble by Justin Fields just short of the goal line uh, kept it to a fourteen nothing ball game. But uh, you know, after twenty one nothing. You know, I, I don't like to say the teams give up or surrender, but, you know, they, they, their confidence might be a little shot and, uh, and you know, they may not be playing their best as they attempt their comeback. But the Penn State defense obviously forcing the, the turnover at the goal line by Fields and then two turnovers in the third quarter that led to 10 points, you know, showed them that they had, uh, you know, some fight left in them. And I thought that was good. I, you know, I agree with James Franklin. There's no moral victories, but uh, – I think Penn State, uh, you know, gave a good accounting of themselves. And that was evident, I think, uh, Tuesday night on the college football playoff uh, announcement uh, of the rankings for this week that, you know, Ohio State beats Penn State, and Penn State's a good team, so Ohio State jumps up ahead of LSU, which I'm sure was a controversial decision for the SEC people. But, uh, you know, and the fact that they only dropped Penn State two spots to number 10 and had them leading the two lost Power 5 teams in the rankings, you know, that, that said something, I thought. Yeah, I think they gained some national respect there, and especially in that uh, room among that uh, the playoff committee. Joe, James Franklin on Tuesday again said that while he's proud of what the program has accomplished during his time, uh, he's still not satisfied and said, you know, they, they still have to close the gap. So I'm asking you, what does Penn State have to do to close the gap, and can it close the gap? Well, that's uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I really don't know. I mean, they they recruit well, so I don't think they need to like maybe step up the recruiting. Um, of course, it's always good to be uh, you know number five when you're number ten. But uh, you know, I think they do a good job in recruiting. I think they do a good job 
you know, with the culture of the team. You know, I just don't know what it is with um, with how you become an elite program. You have to do everything just right. You can't make any mistakes. There can't be any off Saturdays or off weeks of practice. Um, you know, it, it's easier said than done, obviously. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Ohio State has such a great team. I mean, yes. you know, offense, defense, and special teams, they are phenomenally good. Um, I got a tweet uh you know, uh, from somebody early in the game saying, well, when is Penn State going to show up? And I said, well, they're here, but, you know, this is this Ohio State team could probably beat the 10 worst teams in the NFL <laughs> with their personnel and the way they, they play and their balance offensively and defensively. And, and, and what where's your hole in the defense? If you try to go against Ohio State's defense, where's the hole? What exactly. do you attack? Yeah. Uh, you know, their pass defense and run defense are equally good. So, I don't know. I, I just think it's just keep plugging away. Uh, you know, don't give up. You know, Franklin likes to stay, say that he's not satisfied. and He looks for any weakness, and, and he tries to improve it and, and repair it. Um, that's all he can keep doing. Um, you know, there is a, a gap there. And, and, it, and you know, you've heard people say, well, you know, the Rose Bowl season, the Big Ten Conference Championship and Rose Bowl season – was their peak, and now they're declining. Well, I don't think they're declining. I mean, they're not. No, I don't agree that with that. Peak, yeah, but it's but it's you know it's it's close. It's really close. And who expected Penn State to have ten wins this year? I mean, assuming a win over Rutgers right. on Saturday, right? You know, I think a ten win season is is a is a great achievement for them because I, I think most of the people said eight and four. I said eight and four, and uh, they've they've exceeded those expectations, and they're, they've gone three and two against ranked teams, you know, only losing to Ohio State and Minnesota. So I think they're okay, but, you know, they just have to keep plodding away. Right. I think, like, Nate Nate and I were talking in the first segment, Nate Bauer and I, about they've reached a level of consistency here. I mean, if they go 10-2 and two, and let's say they end up in a New Year's Six Bowl, whether it's the Rose, Orange, or Cotton, I mean, that's three double-digit win seasons, three New Year's Six Bowls, and possibly three top ten finishes in four years, which hasn't happened since 93 to 96. I mean, I think there's something to be said for that. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. I, I do agree. In fact, I wrote about that for our Thanksgiving paper. But, uh, you know, that, that uh, you know they're doing well. Their consistency is good. I mean, yeah, you're always going to have fans that are like, oh, you know, you got to be undefeated. you got to be number one, and we want to win it all. And, you know, if you, if, you know, the old saying, if you're not first, you're last. But, God, it's, uh, you know, I, I think they've done a great job this year. And, and, and you painted the, the whole picture of Franklin six years uh, perfectly. You know, three 10-win seasons. Uh, you know, this class, if they win Saturday, is going to win 41 games, which is the most of the Franklin era. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, there, there, there's something to be said for that. I, I think their biggest problem now would be the, you know, they have a lot of good young players, and you can't play. You can only play 11 good young players at a time. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, some kids are might be a little disillusioned at their playing time or lack of it and, and maybe want to go elsewhere. So I, I think their their biggest uh, issue now is keeping the kids around to uh, build a, a team that's uh, going to be consistently good in the future. We're talking with Joe Giuliano of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Joe, you mentioned that, and that leads into the – question about Justin Shorter, five-star wide receiver from New Jersey, who two years ago everybody wanted and who everybody had pegged for, for stardom. Um, he is 
by all reports, he's he's entered his name in the NCAA transfer portal. Um, what do you think went wrong for him? Do you blame? Does any of the blame for him if he does leave lay on the coaching staff? Well, I don't know. I don't think so. But I, I just want to go back to his like freshman year when you know it looked like he was going to play, and then he got banged up and. Mm-hmm. And uh, he only got a chance to play in four games, and they decided, well, we'll just redshirt him because we don't want to play him hurt, and we'll bring him back next year. And then again, I think it was the Maryland game, was it, where he got uh, yes. uh, concussed, or we thought concussed. He, um, you know, that was a, another setback for him. And I, I just think he's not really been able to to have a consistent, you know, pattern of practices and games where he can where he can get better. Now, does the coaching staff come in for some responsibility? Well. I would think so, just you know, to make the kid the the best wide receiver he can be, and and, and as you said, as a five star high school guy who everybody wanted, yeah, he was he was a pretty good wide receiver when he got to Penn State. So, you know, I, I think it might be a situation like Juwan Johnson last year. You know, he just didn't have a good year, and, and maybe he thought a a change of scenery would help him, and, and maybe that's what Shorter is thinking now. I, obviously, I don't have any idea what a young man of 19 thinks at this point in his college career. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, you know, I, he, I'm, I'm sure he's going to look at his options, and I'm sure he's going to have some. And, and I guess the final decision is whether he wants to go back to, like, the friends and relationships he's forged in his two years at Penn State or try something else. That's that's certainly up to him. Joe, uh, Penn State quarterback Sean Clifford, left the Ohio State game in the middle of the third quarter with an apparent leg injury and James Franklin has said that he's been he's been dealing it with dealing with it for several weeks. Will Levis, a redshirt freshman, comes off the bench, helps lead Penn State to seventeen third quarter points in his first really truly meaningful action. He played three snaps the week before, but really it was his first meaningful action. So how would you divide the playing time at quarterback this week against Rutgers and what do you expect James Franklin to do wow you know my first thought was to just start Levis and see how he does and if he's doing well just keep him in there and if he's not doing well maybe bring Sean off the the bench I think it's hard for a starter though to come off the bench I, I know a player like Clifford will say hey I'll do anything you want me to you know I'll come off the bench ice cold if you want me to but you know I think that probably wouldn't be too good for him um, because he has you know he is accustomed to being a starter and I guess that includes a lot of patterns of, you know when you warm up it's like a starting pitcher in baseball versus a, a relief pitcher I guess that's what I'm trying to <laughs> compare it to um, but yeah I don't know I I'm sure Clifford wants to play, and he's going to like beg and and and, and cajole and, and do anything he can with Ricky Ronnie and James Franklin to say, yeah, I'm good, I'm fine, I, I want to play. But uh, you know, the the fact that he you know is not afraid to run the ball, you know, in in high traffic areas where he can take a real big shot, and I'm sure he's taken his share over the season. You know, you just don't want to see the the kid get hurt any worse. I, I know you have like a month off now between the Rutgers game and the bowl game, uh, and maybe he should play and, and, and see how it how, what happens because he can he certainly has a lot of time to recover but uh, I don't know I, I, I just I, I just worry that the kid might be a little too banged up to, uh, to to be able to play on Saturday 
Yeah, I, I'm wondering the same thing. I, I, I don't know what I, – I, I sort of expect him to start and play a couple series and then Levis to play the majority of the game, but um, it, it will be interesting to watch. Joe, our, our good friend Mark Wogenrich of The Morning Call wrote something earlier this week uh, about how James Franklin might be underappreciated by the Penn State fan base. And I haven't had a chance to read the whole thing, but I'm just wondering your take on this. Um, do you feel like he's underappreciated by Penn State fans, or at least some Penn State fans? Yeah. When I heard Mark ask the question in Tuesday's conference calls, I was—I <laughs> asked myself that very question: Is he underappreciated? I would think he is, um, just for the fact that it seems. Well, it's—it's kind of like you know your silent majority idea. You know, the—I the, think the majority of the people really appreciate Franklin, but don't come out and say, "Hey, man, the guy's doing a great job. I yeah. really appreciate him." All you hear is the vocal minority that says, "You know, why doesn't he beat? Why didn't he beat Minnesota? Why isn't he?" Why can't we beat Ohio State? You know, that kind of thing. Um, I, I think he is appreciated, but you just don't hear about it much. And, and, and I think, I, I don't know what he thinks. You know, he really didn't answer the question on Tuesday when he asked if he felt underappreciated. He just said, my wife thinks I am, and then yeah. he went on to say that, you know, explain, you know, what he's done for the program. But he really never said, you know, hey, I wish I could be more appreciated or, or less appreciated. He said he cares about what people say, but... He, he doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't really, he didn't really expand on that either. So is he underappreciated? I would think maybe a tad, but I don't think he's as underappreciated as a lot of people think he is. I mean, I think Penn State fans really appreciate the, done, the job that he's done in his six years, you know, bringing the the uh, Nittany Lions out of, uh, you know, the sanctions and, and really providing a good base with, uh, with, you know, tireless recruiting and getting a staff together who can recruit as well. So, yeah, I think, I think people do appreciate it. I, you just don't hear it. But uh, if I'm wrong, <laughs> then I, I, you know, I, I don't know what I would say. I what think do you think? I think you're right. I think you're right. I think it's a, it's a, a silent majority does appreciate him. Uh, but you know, we hear on so you know on Twitter or you know um, emails that I think we're hearing criticism from a a vocal minority. Um, I don't think I ever got as many emails as I got after the Minnesota game. <laughs> they were like, yeah, maybe uh, two thirds negative and one third, uh, yeah. you know, what a lousy call on the offensive yeah. pass interference penalty, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, I, that's that. I that that was uh, that disappointed a lot of people, I guess. Well, people who care to put it that way. Right, right. I I think he's appreciated by by most. Um, but again, there's a segment out there that, for whatever reason, looks at James Franklin in a negative way, uh, whatever that reason may be, I don't know. But, I mean, the track record with the win over Rutgers, you know, what is it? They'll be 41-11 and 11 or 40, whatever. To, um, yeah, 41-11 and 11 if they beat the Rutgers, yeah. Yeah, I mean, with a chance in a bowl game to go 42-11 and 11 in four years after everything that happened in 2011 and 2012, I mean, I think – I mean, I, I, it's hard to argue with what the job that he and his staff have done. I mean, could you criticize a decision here or there? Of course. You know, ga- you know whether, you know, game t- game decision, sure. But overall, I think the big picture, I, 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 I don't quite understand where, where some of these people are coming from. Anyway, Joe, I'll give you one last question. I'll give you a shot. 
take a shot. Where do you think they end up uh, in the postseason? In the bowl? I don't know. I, I kind of have the Cotton Bowl in my head. I don't know why that is. Um, the Rose Bowl is, is, is an interesting proposition because I read something recently that, that said that the Rose Bowl really doesn't uh, go by they, they won't necessarily have to pick the top Big Ten team in the rankings, the college football playoff rankings. It has to be like the right combination of um, factors that include like mm. the last time a team was there. And Minnesota hasn't been there since Forever. 1962. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would think that the, the, the Golden Gophers, if they beat Wisconsin, would certainly have a chance for the, would have the best chance for the Rose. Now, if they lose to Wisconsin, you know, all bets are off and, what, and I think Penn State has as good a chance for the Rose as anything. But right now, I'd say Cotton because that's yeah. the one where the uh, committee gets the two picks. Yeah, and I'm wondering, too, you know, like, well, like like Nate and I were talking in the first segment, if Michigan knocks off Ohio State, all bets are off. It changes everything. Oh, definitely. And I think Penn State. Drawing board. Right, and I think Penn State ends up in the Outback Bowl. I would be surprised otherwise if Michigan beats Ohio State. Um, but if Ohio State wins and. I look at if Wisconsin wins and either one of those two lose to Ohio State by a lot of points in the championship game, I think Penn State emerges as the top Rose Bowl uh top team um by the Rose Bowl committee or by the by the by the uh playoff committee. So, I think it's going to be interesting. I think I think um it's it's either I mean it sounds ridiculous it's either rose cotton orange or outback but but and they're all pretty good options by the way so we'll oh, see absolutely. we'll find out on December eighth Joe thank you so much can you remind the folks where they can find your work yeah thanks Rich it's uh, inquire dot com slash sports or on Twitter at Joe Jules Inc Joe happy Thanksgiving and I'll see you Saturday. Happy Thanksgiving, Rich. See you then. Take you, care. Thank you. You can find this podcast on ReadingEagle.com and wherever podcasts are available. You can find my content in the Reading Eagle and other media news group publications in the Philadelphia area and on ReadingEagle.com. You can find links to my stories on Twitter at Nittany Rich. We'll return sometime in December after Penn State's bowl destination is announced. This has been the Nittany Rich Show. Thanks for listening.